I mean, I, I definitely have chosen to be a farmer because I see the importance of, of providing local food for our local community. And I see it as an opportunity to, again, I, and I've said this a few times, but connect people to where they live and educate people about the food that they're eating. And I just feel honored and lucky every day and very fortunate every day to be doing what I'm doing. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of That's Rad, a podcast presented by the Littleton Food Co-op. My name is Anastasia, and I'm your host of this and every episode, and I'm so excited to be in your ear space today. It's August, a month we wait so long for here at the co-op, because even though we love to celebrate local food every day, August is officially New Hampshire Eats Local Month. This is a celebration put together every August by the New Hampshire Food Alliance and many statewide partners to raise awareness of all the benefits of local foods and to truly give thanks to all those who work to source and produce it. When you choose to buy a product that is produced locally, it means that you are getting a fresher, better tasting product and your community is producing jobs, keeping money in its local economy, and lowering carbon emissions from food production and transportation. Like I said before, We love local 365 days a year here at the co-op, but you may have noticed we pulled out some extra stops this month. Maybe you got to chat with a farmer about their produce at one of the meet and greets, or you got to try something new at a sampling event. Did you come in for the local celebration day? That was pretty fun. Continuing the focus on local, my guest on this month's episode of That's Rad is none other than Sam Brown of Meadowstone Farm in Bethlehem, New Hampshire. When it comes to local farms, Meadowstone is about as close as you can get, being only two miles away from the co-op. On this episode with Sam, we're going to talk about how Meadowstone operates, their beyond organic philosophy, and what it's really like to be a farmer in New Hampshire. So, if this all sounds interesting to you, Stick around for this special New Hampshire Eats Local Edition episode of That's Rad. Hi everyone, I'm here outside at Meadowstone Farm in Bethlehem, New Hampshire, a mere two mile, two mile drive away from the Littleton Food Co-op. I mean, talk about local food. It's it's pretty hard to beat that. And joining me today is Sam Brown, Farmer Brown, if you will. Maybe maybe that has to do with his farmer origin story, but who knows? We'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, but Sam, thank you so much for taking time out of what I'm sure is a very busy schedule this time of year. Well, thank you. Thanks for coming to the farm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I also want to say if you hear any any animals, any I hear some birds or even any cars, you know, it's just the omniance. It's background, background music for today. The sounds of the farm. Yes. <laughs> Setting the scene. So... Dating a little before your time, I'm assuming, unless there's some (laughs) ethereal, long-lasting quality I don't know about you, but there's a history of this farm and this land we're sitting on before it became Meadowstone Farm that we know and love. Can you briefly walk us through how this space became Meadowstone Farm and, yeah, Yeah. how it is? So, um... It's, it's a pretty remarkable property in the sense that this, this farm was originally homesteaded by the Cole family uh, in the mid-1800s and was primarily used as a, originally as a homestead, but then moved on to be a cow dairy. And it stayed in that family until the mid-1950s. So John Cole ran it until he sold it to uh, Ray Little 
1956, and John Cole, I guess in the local area, was really well known for his horse teams. So he used horses, would show them around town, supposedly, and eventually he sold it to Ray Little, who bought the farm, and then he ran it as a dairy farm until the mid-1970s. There were a few years where I guess not much was happening here, and then Whitcomb, uh, Lyle Whitcomb, and sometimes you see that name in Littleton. He ran a hardware store, uh, he had a roofing business, and while raising four kids, he and his wife bought the farm and managed to grow vegetables, and they did pick your own peas, they had eggs, pansies, and actually had a few kind of, a, a little bit of a dairy operation as well. It was finally purchased in 2003 by Tim Wenrick and his wife, Jessie Griffiths. And that's kind of, Meadowstone Farm was born. Where it started then, in that's, like the, now we're the modern origin story. Right, right. And so what's great is when he bought the property, it was originally, it was actually all set to be uh, turned into a, like a housing development. Oh. Right. Right, and you'll kind of notice on the farm that we're surrounded by water. There's a stream out front, there's a stream in the back, and so the housing development, thankfully, did not go through, and Tim bought it, became Meadowstone Farm, and he had a vision of doing pick-your-own blueberries and compost. If you want Speaking to of being surrounded by water, right. yeah. So in typical New Hampshire style, as soon as Sam said <laughs> surrounded by water, we got a lovely New Hampshire summer rainstorm on us. Um, so we have a location change and we probably have an audio sound change, but we are in the Woodland Community School classroom, really bringing it back to our, our classroom roots here um, because this school is on the Meadowstone property. Pretty different than the hardware store, the housing development we just talked about. Um, but we're not here to talk about them as great and as, as an organization as they are. We're back on the Meadowstone train. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> so Tim buys the farm. So when and how and where and why do you come into the picture? Well, let me let me give a, a little bit of I'm gonna give a little history first okay. be, before that. So, when Tim purchased the farm, his vision was pick your own blueberries and compost uh, of creating compost that then could be used for home gardeners that they could come and and buy it from here. And he very quickly realized that there was a real need for more than just pick your own blueberries and compost. And it's kind of, he kind of accidentally in some ways, but with, with, with some serious intention, landed on this small, diverse farm. So as he expanded into vegetable production and brought in some chickens and pigs, he started to realize there are a lot of different aspects of the farm, needed some more help, and he particularly needs, needed somebody who would be here year-round. And it kind of worked out for me in the sense that I, at the time, was looking for a change in the work I was doing, and Tim and I connected, and he took a chance on me, I took a chance on him, and now, 14 years later, I'm, yeah. I'm still here. But um, yeah, it was really, so t Tim and I met uh, teaching, we were both in education, and so we worked at the same school for about a year, and then he left to start the farm, and I continued teaching for an additional five years. And so that's kind of my, my background and why I ended up in New Hampshire. And so I definitely approached kind of education and saw education as an opportunity to really positively impact the students I was working with, impact their lives. It's funny because my, my background uh, and what I was teaching when I left teaching was performing arts. So I was directing theater, I was directing the, the, the acapella group, I was teaching music, and I really saw the, 
how the power of particularly theater like taught taught students about themselves and kind of about life and so it was all about portraying taking these scripts and these stories on the page and bringing them to life and really appreciated the, the collaborative nature of theater and the togetherness and kind of the team elements that, that theater brings about. I have a background. I grew up doing dance for like most of my life. So I also appreciate the performing arts and understand like how much it can bring to kids and adults even and like enrich the education process too. But it's funny, I feel like in a way you went from like one kind of underappreciated area to like another right one um and i imagine there's been a lot in your history of just like having to educate and like advocate for what you're doing and like your lifestyle and and all of that for sure and i think education has always been a, a big piece of of now farming of kind of educating customers and consumers you know where their food comes from and the importance of local food and and that's really why I wanted to make that change is I saw, I mean, honestly, I was, I was kind of burned out from teaching and really ready for a change while in, in my early 20s. I mean, I never grew up farming. I didn't, I mean, I didn't grow up in an environment where, where our food came from was really discussed and talked about. Mm -hmm. It was just, you went to the grocery store and bought the food you needed and there wasn't a ton of thought of where that actually came from. How far did it travel? Like, what was the nutritional value of it? Um, how was it grown? Who grew it? So while teaching, I kind of got into, I got a plot in a community garden, started growing, saw the the value and the power of, of and the satisfaction that came with like harvesting food and eating my food, eating that, what I grew, and then sharing it with friends and family and so when this opportunity came up to to move to the, to farming um I definitely jumped at it so then was farming or even like living in northern New Hampshire something you ever saw for yourself I mean from from starting that little plot to now that's a pretty you you went in you right went all in <laughs> right I mean so so I moved here 20 years ago now, and it was definitely for a job. It wasn't necessarily for the place at the time. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I was in my you know early 20s and thought, I'll live here for a year or two, and then I'll figure out what's next. And I just, I'm really fortunate. I mean, I had a, a few things happen. I, I met my wife up here, and I, I fell in love with the mountains and in like northern New Hampshire, above the notch. And... But yeah, I never, I never, you know, when I was young, I never said, I'm going to, I'm going to move to New Hampshire and live there. And, and what's crazy is I'd never visited New Hampshire until I was, what, 19 or 20. And that was the first time I'd ever been in the state of New Hampshire. The so, first time, was, was it the first time you came here was when you were like actively moving here or like, no? Okay. No, but when I actively moved here, that was, I think the... <laughs> the fourth or yeah. fifth time I'd ever <laughs> been here. So, so it was definitely, um, a big, a big move, new place, uh, moved here, not knowing anybody and just took, took a chance on the place. I think if when you were younger, being anywhere outside of New Hampshire, maybe even some places in New Hampshire and you were like, I'm going to move to Bethlehem, New Hampshire. They'd be like, you're just making up towns and, and places now. <laughs> like that's not a real you're moving to Narnia. Right, yeah. right, right. It's funny when you were talking about your performing arts background, you were mentioning things like collaboration and like team building and all that. And that's something I understand is really important in farming too. So you have not tons, but there are a lot of people working here. And there are people that I recognize all from throughout town and for, for working here. But with all those people, are there like specific jobs that people have or they're assigned roles? So then like what is yours and what does that actually mean? Mm -hmm. So we have about 13 employees at the farm, 13, 14 employees who are working, you know, part time to full time. 
and everybody has certain responsibilities. So we do have certain titles. There's the vegetable manager, an animal manager. We have like our, our egg guru. Um, <laughs> Is that official title? Pr- pretty much. Okay. Yeah, I would say official <laughs> title for sure. We have somebody who works on our tractors and equipment. And so within those kind of titles, there, there are certainly certain responsibilities that people have. And they vary from milking the goats to pasture management to like what vegetable are we going to grow in what field and when and how and and how much to weeding to rock collecting so there's there's lots of variety in terms of the work we do and then we do have general farmhands who are kind of the swing people they they go wherever is needed between animals and kind of the, the vegetable production side of the farm and you are do you have And a- so I'm I'm the farm manager here and kind of currently kind of oversee everything. So if there's a question that anybody has about anything that they can't figure out, it, it comes to me. Or if there's a podcast or, or interview podcast, request, you know, yes. that, that falls <laughs> under your <laughs> under your jurisdiction as well. Yeah. But I've always wanted to ask, like, I see on your website and it's like meet the rock pickers and it's everyone who works here, like why is that? Why are they called rock pickers? Because everybody at some point on the farm ends up picking rocks, and it really gives a a sense that what we're doing here, and even picking rocks, is incredibly important. You know, it's you're you're ridding the soil of those rocks. I mean, we're called Meadowstone Farm. We are in a very very. It's incredible. I think about the first, literally the first day I worked here on the farm. In 2008, I, I picked rocks out of a field. And I laughed when five, six years later, I was picking rocks again in a moment <laughs> out of that field. And it's, it's kind of the most basic job. And it's still incredibly important to do. And so. so you've already mentioned this, actually, at least once. But in almost everything I hear, read etc. There will be this phrase that Meadowstone is a small, diverse farm. So what exactly, what does that mean? What does the diversity entail? And why is that such a key phrase for you all? Like, why do I hear it everywhere? Yeah, so, and it gets back to what Tim realized when he started the farm. You know, he started with compost and blueberries and very quickly realized, wait, there's, there's not a lot of there's some local produce, but there's a real need for local produce. So I'm going to start growing tomatoes and cucumbers and greens and beans and peas. And so he branched out into the produce side of things. And then there was suddenly a need realized for like pasture raised, organically raised meat. So got some pigs. We used to do meat layers, you know, chickens. Well, where do you get local eggs? So started raising poultry for eggs. And so we've really become this small, diverse farm that we also do, you know, milk goats for goat cheese. Uh, We have pick your own blueberries now, pick your own flowers. We're growing about 40 different fruits and vegetables uh, in amidst all the uh, livestock that we have. And so small, diverse in the sense that everything is connected. There's no organic waste on the farm, whether it ends up in it all eventually ends up in our manure pit, which is then emptied out into windrows to create compost. That compost is used on our gardens to grow food. Any food waste ends up with our animals, and so the cycle continues. Another part of that is the smallness of it. Like, you're not, this as big as it looks to me, you're not like a factory farm. Like, so much of the production is coming from the what, 13 or 14 people who work here. And it's that idea that's becoming kind of mainstream and trendy now, but it's been since you guys have opened, it was like you can literally know your farmer versus like going into the grocery store and just like, I don't know who owns this quart of strawberries that I'm getting. Like, I think that's that's another thing that makes, in my opinion, makes Meadowstone what it is. Right, and that's that's definitely, we want that. I mean, we're a small farm that we want to welcome people to come here. And, and part of that mission is to become, and I know 
Tim kind of set forth with this as well, once he started to expand and diversify, was to become the agricultural center of the community, a place that's a very welcoming place, a place where, like, we're, we want to be a true farm. You know, there's, there is something about showing up on a farm where everything is very manicured, there's the perfect white picket fence out front, the farm stand is perfect in every way. And, no one's ever touched a rock. Right, right. And they're... And obviously, yes, we we aim to, you know, we want people to come and, and walk around and see that the beauty in what we have to present, but also recognize that we're a real, true working farm. And things aren't always going to be perfect because our, our focus often is on what we're producing and the food that we're growing out in the fields and the animals that we're raising. So, And there's so much beauty in that, too. Right. So you said 40 plus fruits and vegetables in this kind of August, September period, what's growing? So all season we've been growing greens. We start growing greens as early as February and March. And greens is a huge part of our production that is still going on now. We have tomatoes and cherry tomatoes and cucumbers and other fruiting crops like uh, peppers and zucchini. We have just are starting to harvest uh, delicata squash and acorn squash. And to come is the rest of our, our winter squash that we're growing and pumpkins. Beans, peas, you know, cabbages coming in, kale, Swiss chard. We're making the transition from kind of a spring green onion to uh, a storage onion. Scallions, melons, garlic, leeks, and then we're getting into more of the storage crops like our storage beets and carrots and cabbage. I, I feel like these days I wait for summer all year round, but I feel like now I want winter because I just want a nice squash. Oh, there's... So as soon as you said that, like it's kind of like one of those vegetables or things that I just like forget that it exists until I see it in front of me, but you just said it and my mind was just like, squash now <laughs> right squash soup in particular yes. is a big uh is a, is a popular dish in my household i mean i yeah why not yeah so i feel like we're getting into like the like investigative journalism piece of this not that it's not mm-hmm. that it's any secret um but this is a big thing so 2008 Meadowstone drops your certified organic distinction. Can you walk us through what that time was like, what that decision was like? I mean, I'm assuming it wasn't like someone woke up one day and was like, mm, no, we're going to do this. Like, I think it was a it was a process, right? It was definitely a process. And it's it's something that I know Tim, as the owner of the farm, had been thinking about for 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 years to some extent you know when he started he really wanted to follow the organic standards and he's got us the farm certified right away and very quickly what was what he was noticing kind of in 2006 2007 2008 was that there are big corporations buying up traditionally organic companies and they started to pretty much searched for any sort of loophole they could find in the National Organic Program. And with that, with you know raising production and finding those loopholes, they're diminishing the quality of the product, but just really kind of zeroing in on how could they sell more using their that organic label. And probably like do it for less money too. And do it for less money, exactly. You know, I think what they were doing is diluting the original intent of the organic name. You know, so the the focus of organic is on feeding the soil versus feeding the plant. And so by watering down these these standards, they're they're kind of cutting corners and they're more feeding the plant. And there's less emphasis on the quality of the soil and what's happening within the soil. And I know that the stress was very much on a national level because there are lots of farms around where we live that have the organic certification, the organic label that are really truly to their core following those organic standards 
and if if anything, like going beyond that, you know, and I think that's that's really important to recognize. And so, kind of one of the examples from back then, you know, in 2006, 2007, 2008, is these huge egg farms, for example. They've got the organic label, they're organic certified, but you know what? Their chickens never go outside. That's they're getting crazy. fed organic grain. They never go outside. And is that is that how a chicken? Do we want chickens to live? You know, yeah. here at the farm, I mean, our chickens are also currently fed organic grain. They spend a lot of time outside, but they're getting non-organic food waste, and they're getting, you know, non-organic brewers waste from a local brewery. So, the question is like, what's what is more organic? You know, another another situation is big dairy farms and this was happening where these huge dairy farms being bought by international companies that are then have no connection with where these companies are located because they're just focused on the bottom line so i think that's kind of where where tim went with the mindset of dropping the certification really what changed on the farm is like yeah yeah i was gonna ask like (laughs) so this one system goes right like does anything take its place or is it like a free-for-all no (laughs) and that's that's what's nothing nothing took its place and if anything like the only real change from what the farm believes and the farm philosophy is that there's no paperwork to submit to the state (laughs) you know and really really that that was kind of kind of it we just really stuck with that philosophy of like Limiting, limiting any organic waste, trying to bring that all back to the farm, which is why we collect the spent grain or food scraps and yeah. food waste. Something I really like that I took from the Meadowstone website that I'm just going to share now about this like similar but different system is you say, so who is Meadowstone Farm now accountable to? You, the customer, and if anything, the customer certification process is significantly more stringent and comprehensive. You walk around the farm and you see me selling my own produce on a daily basis. Customer accountability is central to my belief as a farmer, so ask to see my records, take a look at my fertilizers, check out the greenhouse, and most importantly, ask questions. The quote certified organic label has enabled consumers to stop asking questions about their food, and with U.S. agriculture rapidly changing, now's the time to ask more questions, not less. Yeah. I think having having our customers be the certifying agent agency is the way to go. I mean, we want, that's who we're growing food for. Do you agree that we're, we're tougher than U.S. standards? Oh, absolutely. And I think a lot of that has to do with, I don't know that, consumers always understand what those standards are. Mm. And so, I mean, there, there are, for example, there are currently pesticides that are organic certified that if we were to purchase and then spray on our fields would not only take care of the pests, they'd kill populations of wild insects, of pollinators, and not only that, but I would need to be covered head to toe so I don't get any of that on my skin, for example, because of the problems it would cause. And so it doesn't mean we, we don't spray things here. We really try and limit it. Often, if you see us walking around spraying, we're spraying actually beneficial nematodes. And that's something that they're microorganisms that integrate themselves into the soil ecosystem and they help kind of mitigate and take out any pests that we might see um, eating our you know produce for so example. like instead of taking over the soil like a pesticide would it's kind of like becoming part of it almost? yes that, exactly yeah, yeah. it's integrating okay. itself into the the microbiome of the of the soil yeah. so it's becoming part of that we talked like start to finish process that mm-hmm. you guys are all about versus kind of like halting the process or or diverting it somewhere else yes yeah. yes Cool. Well, that makes total sense to me. And I think what Meadowstone is doing is really looking at like what the word organic means versus what the term means and what the standard means. Because you have to look at like 
the whole picture of is it worth it to have this does is it more important that this lettuce has this label with this word versus like the whole environmental cycle of like the food waste and the even incorporating other local businesses like the brewery grains like overall like not to be biased but like that kind of sounds a little better to me than like this word where you don't really know right and that's and again uh, that's definitely the direction we have chosen to go is how, how can we it's it's greater than just the organic word and the standards it's so much more about community and kind of the methods that we're using to grow our food raise our animals but at the same time i really want to emphasize like what organic farms are doing in this area is is also along those same lines i mean they are really working with nature and their environment to grow phenomenal food i mean i i think we are incredibly lucky to live in a place with such great farms, both organic and non-organic. But it is it is interesting. I mean, currently there's the debate of hydroponics mm. and will be certified organic or not. And then kind of another issue right now is that certified organic farms are now adding a real organic label to their products to sort of separate themselves from these huge companies that are claiming uh, that are that are also selling organic because there is a real difference between you know a 40 acre monoculture almond farm that's organic and what small diverse yeah. organic farm in New Hampshire or Vermont is doing yeah like we're not throwing shade at anyone no. like anyone else and what you choose to do or even how you as a consumer like choose to buy your stuff it's just like this is kind of Not the reality all. of it and right. it's, it's sad that we have to make that distinction because it's all, another part of this whole debacle is it's like it's it's like when um to continue with a school metaphor it's kind of like when three kids are really mean at recess and they get recess taken away for everyone else it's like we've kind of the big monocultures have taken away the ability to use that word for everyone else. So we have to be like, oh, this, but but not the people actually doing it. Like, not the, the smart kids who are just reading right. outside of recess. Right. I like, mean, like, we shouldn't have to do that. Right. <laughs> I mean, but the, but the, and it is hard because it's like a, a, a very large monoculture almond farm for example that's organic they're still those are great those are also at the same time some good standards to follow i think the benefit of having some of these huge companies working with organic food is that they're they're able to distribute it too it's just something Hmm. to think about yeah like you can find organic eggs at walmart for example yeah yeah so, like I said, I, like, understand this philosophy, and it makes sense to me, and I think it makes sense to a lot of people who already know you and accept that this is the way it is, but was this the reception back in 2008? And, like, if it wasn't, what had to go on to to change that? Well, you can imagine that I think at first people were a bit shocked and there were lots of questions. And was there any like lead up to it, or was it just kind of like a bombshell, like drop and then walk away? Or were there like hints or like? There, there was did a little. People have ideas that this might be coming. There was a little bit of that, of kind of a preemptive. This is this is a, a direction that the farm is going. But for the most part, if you go on our website, there's a whole piece on Beyond Organic that was written that was put out afterwards. And really wanted to let customers know that we are organic. And the true only difference is that we just don't have paperwork to submit anymore. But we are following organic standards. So people yeah. were like maybe a little confused, you could say. Yes. But but I think that's also part going back to the small diverse farm where people understand you and they know you and they're like oh well like it's not like sam's pulling the wool over my eyes like 
that I actually believe you and I believe in what you're doing, so I'm going to trust you and continue to support you. Right. And this was this, and just to clarify, this was a move that uh, Tim, who owns the farm, he made this move and made this decision. And I literally showed up right, right after, kind of right when it was happening. And so it all came down to education and encouraging our customers to ask questions, to just find out how is their food growing. Yeah. You know, and that, that kind of added to the agricultural center of the community. We really encouraged people to come, walk around, and just see with their own eyes what was going on. Which I feel like kind of relates to our next topic. So another cornerstone of Meadowstone is your CSA program. For those unfamiliar, what is a CSA? Why is it important? And how is yours unique to my understanding? So CSA is commu- it stands for Community Sustained Agriculture or Community Supported Agriculture. And it's an incredible program that, from what I understand, started, I want to say, in New England. I, I think it started in the southern, actually southern New Hampshire. Oh. And basically it's an opportunity for customers to purchase vegetables in the spring before they're ready when farms really need that income the most Mm -hmm. and so they buy a share of the farm and then on a weekly basis they come and pick up that share and so there are meat csa's there are flower csa's there are vegetable csa's you can pick up on a weekly basis on a monthly basis Uh, but the way we've kind of modeled ours is we've always done a summer csa it's picked up on a weekly basis. Typically it's Thursdays. That's what we've been doing the last few years. And here at Meadowstone, we offer 28 weeks throughout the year. And so we have a five week spring CSA where customers show up and they pick up a set box of vegetables that's been decided upon in advance and packed up for them. They are. They receive a newsletter, an email, what's been going on at the farm, kind of what went into their, what's going into their box, what they can expect to pick up, maybe a recipe or two or some information about a crop, and, and they come. And then for 14 weeks in the summer, and which we're doing right now, we offer a market-style CSA. And that's been a change we've made a few years ago. So customers show up, and it's almost like a farmer's market. Depending on the share size they choose, they'll get to choose, you know, pick anywhere between 8 and 12 items, and they get to choose those items from a selection of about 24 to, to 30 different products. And then in addition to those vegetables, that, that vegetable CSA, there are also add-ons. And so there's eggs, there's pork sausage, goat cheese uh we have a pick your own flower csa and then and this is the only product that we actually bring in to the farm for our csa off farm is uh freshly roasted coffee mm. so, so kind of a, a neat change and i and then in the fall we offer a we have a fall csa and that kind of goes every other week eventually so it starts in september and ends just before the new year. I love the convenience of like a, a pickup box CSA because it's like you don't have to do the thinking of grocery shopping. But I also really love the idea of a market style CSA because it's like your own mini farmer's market. Like assuming you come at a time no one else is coming, it's like you get it to yourself. And I always have that thought when I go to the farmer's market in Littleton. I'm like, everyone needs to leave. I need to be by myself here for a second to just like truly appreciate it. So yeah, I like it. Yeah, the farmer, I mean, the farmer's market is busy in Littleton. It's definitely busy. The And, and it's, it's neat because uh, we used to do a set box even in the summer. And I think what we recognized is that we, we have a lot of options and and we as farmers were having a hard time of deciding exactly what our customers will take in a certain week Mm. and they've there there been some 
kind of casual studies done on this, but of, of food waste. So maybe, maybe we give you a set box and you have to take kohlrabi and you don't like kohlrabi. You don't want to try kohlrabi. Or you don't know what it is. Or you don't know what it is. And even though we might provide some information, maybe that kohlrabi sits in a fridge and eventually spoils. And then there's unfortunately that guilt factor with, with kind of trying to, to get rid of it. And mm-hmm. so our hope with the market style is that people will challenge themselves and try that kohlrabi that maybe they've never tried before. But at the same time, they're going to choose items that ideally they're going to use in a week or two weeks. No, that makes total sense. And I could also see someone being like, oh, well, I'll pick the kohlrabi because I got to choose these other three things too. So it's like a, it's all about balance. One of the things that I really like about the co-op and laugh about the co-op is that I, I know in advance of going grocery shopping there that it's not going to be quick, no, <laughs> no matter what. And it's because it's such a place of community. Like I always run into people I know, whether it's, whether it's you yeah. as an employee or, or friends. I, I, and I love that about the co-op. And that's really what we're trying to create here too with our CSA pickup yeah. is that with particularly with the market style people come and yeah there's some people that want to just zip through through get their eight items they put their head down <laughs> they've got their list they don't necessarily don't look at me don't perceive me you know don't. and it's and and we've all been there and then but then there's it's also a, a social event in the sense that yeah. people come they get they they share recipes they talk about their weeks they ask us questions as farmers and so it's a real opportunity for them to connect with the local community, but also us as farmers. And I'm sure over the past couple of years, with everything, with people going out less and, and all of that, it was like a real, like, it's like, this is our social opportunity, man. Like, we gotta, we gotta go pick up the CSA and we're, we're gonna be there for a while because we don't get out much. It, and it certainly was. And it was... We still had our CSA during COVID times. We, it was, it was, uh, we'd schedule set 15 minute windows where we'd have three or four people come and pick up in that time. Whereas now it's nice to get rid of that, that schedule and restrict people to a certain time slot. Yeah. And now they have a four hour window to pick up. Nice. No worries about, well, with me, I'm sure there'd still be a worry about being late, but not as much so. That's what we make exceptions. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't want to say the reason that we're here today, but a big part of why I made you come and sit down is because August is New Hampshire Eat Local Month. It's a huge time for New Hampshire. It's a big time for us at the co-op too, as I'm sure it is for you here as well. So, what would you say to someone who doesn't see the importance or the significance in eating locally produced food? Oh. And this is a G-rated podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I, will, I will keep that in mind. I mean, I, we live in a place where I think there's strong connection. I mean, it's, it's hard to move around where we live without seeing the mountains, for example you're going to have some connection with the mountains. And I think kind of similar to that, local food, you have, it provides an opportunity to be connected to the land in another way. I think that's incredibly important for, as, as people, you know, buy food and feed their families is there's something about eating something that was grown two miles away or down the street or just from a farmer that you, you, you know, um, by buying local food, it's it's gonna be fresher, it's gonna be more nutritious. There's less less of an environmental impact with that, considering how far it has to travel mm-hmm. to get into your kitchen. You're also keeping your money local. All of those, yeah, are incredible, incredibly crucial. Yeah. So, what does it mean to you to be a member of that community and a member of I don't know, the northern New Hampshire food producing community. You guys need a, a good acronym. <laughs> I'm not, I know, what that's would that too, be? That's too complicated <laughs> to say. I mean, I, 
I definitely have chosen to be a farmer because I see the importance of, of providing local food for our local community. And I see it as an opportunity to, again, I, and I've said this a few times, but connect people to where they live and educate people about the food that they're eating. And I just feel honored and lucky every day and very fortunate every day to be doing what I'm doing, for sure. And especially as someone, I, mean, I, have, I have three kids and I love to educate them about food. You know, even at home I have a garden and growing. We didn't get a single carrot in our house last year because my youngest would run outside, pick carrots and eat them right out of the ground. <laughs> And I think about the times that I, I am at the co-op and I see a customer buying Meadowstone Farm produce. And not all the time, but sometimes I'll walk up and I'll thank them. I was going to ask. Well, I was going to like, ask you if you were like, I did that. You see that? You see that? Well, it's not, that. it's not an I did that. It's a we did that. We did that. You know, and, and that's, I think that's uh, really a cool piece of of the collaborative nature of farming is it's not just harvesting there's a lot that goes into everything from prepping the land to planting the seed to picking the rocks picking the rocks exactly to nurturing the soil nice okay well wrapping up a little bit and still continuing with the touchy-feely questions i don't know (laughs) do you have like a favorite farm memory or moment connected with Meadowstone that you want to leave us with to continue to make us feel good? When I think back on the farm and my time and my experience here, it's not necessarily that specific moment when I pulled this amazing carrot out of the ground, but it's more of the moments with the people that I'm surrounded by here at the farm. I think we have an incredibly amazing core group of people and returning employees and we're just I'm just really fortunate to be surrounded by these amazing people but one one memory I can think of is years ago picking carrots in a classic New Hampshire you know end of September beginning of October it's you know 30 degrees and snowing and just miserable out yet uh, a group of us are outside. We're harvesting these carrots we grew all season, and we're able to laugh through the entire experience that otherwise would be incredibly miserable. And I think it's just such a collaborative environment here, and we're all working together to create this amazing product. Yeah, it's they're the good tasks and the bad tasks, but sometimes they all seem like good ones when you're surrounded by people you love and people who care about you so and that seems like what Meadowstone is all about and what it is from at least from an outsider's perspective absolutely that's a great I mean that's good to hear I mean we definitely maybe there's inside drama oh that we don't know about that'll be next well, podcast that's the, that's the next podcast <laughs> the Meadowstone reality <laughs> yeah. TV show that yeah. will come out <gasps> No, and it's such a wonderful group of people who are, and you, you'll, you talk to any of us here at the farm, and we're very passionate about what we do. We also have a lot of fun, and if you go on our website, you can check out the, the both the serious videos we've created, but for example, the disco video we created years ago of us dancing the disco all over the farm, and then challenging other farms who accepted and made their own, own video themselves. So... Perfect segue. How can we stay connected with Meadowstone after listening to this? Well, you can definitely come to the farm. We have a farm stand. We're open every single day of the year from 8 to 530. The animals never take a day off. So (laughs) Thanksgiving Day, if you forgot to buy your eggs at the co-op, you can come here and get another dozen. Um, You can check us out and learn more about us on our website, meadowstonenh.com. Dot com. You can find us on Instagram, on Facebook, and you can also find our products at a lot of area restaurants and some other area stores, and that complete list is can be found on our website. Perfect. Well, Sam, thank you so much for taking time out of your day today. Thank you for 
doing something probably a little out of your comfort zone with me today and I know more about Meadowstone than I ever thought I would and I'm so glad I do. Anastasia, it's been great talking to you and thanks for coming to the farm. so cool he's so cool i mean i see sam in the store or on the farm all the time but it's truly a privilege to get to sit down and hear someone speak about something they're so passionate about i feel like if you didn't already know how dedicated sam and the whole meadowstone team are to feeding and helping our community you know now after this episode A huge thank you to Sam for being my guest on this special New Hampshire Eats Local Edition episode. And an equally big thank you to you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this insider look into one of our most local farms. If you did enjoy, make sure to tell us by leaving a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening on. You can find That's Rad wherever you listen to podcasts and wherever your friends listen too. So, there's really no excuse for not sending it to them so they can listen. If you want to avoid spoilers from your friends, make sure to subscribe to this show so you're the first to know when our next episode is released. And until then, I hope you all have a local-tastic rest of New Hampshire Eats Local Month and that you remember to eat, sleep, and be rad. So, like, what does it mean to you to be a member of this, I don't know, northern New Hampshire farming, food-producing community? Where, where did I even go with that before? I don't know why. I'm, oh, gosh. You I were like, like... I had a great... It was... It was oh, like, oh, oh, oh. I know. I know. Wasn't that when I was talking about the co-op thing? Like... See, I told you I just black out. Just I like, know, I totally and blacked it out. Sounds too. So good. Th- well, and now it's like silly that I'm like, I don't know. I, I, liked, I think I liked what I said before. Um, okay. You can also just be like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Uh, it means absolutely I, nothing. Right. right. <laughs> can we just go on to the next question? Yeah, I hate it here, actually. <laughs> That's Rad is a production of the Littleton Food Co-op. Anastasia Marr directs and hosts. Jesse Smith and Annie Stewart produce. Becky Colpitz provides unrelenting positivity and moral support. The Littleton Food Co-op is Littleton, New Hampshire's community-owned grocery store. We put our money where your mouth wants to be. Local farms, of course. No membership is required to shop here. Come check us out sometime just off exit 41 at 43 Bethlehem Road in Littleton. Or if you're online, check us out at littletoncoop.com.